This podcast is an audio recording of a live event. It may reference visual material that cannot be represented in this recording. It may also contain strong language and adult themes. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of ACME. Hello, I'm Lisa Gotto, the other German. Thank you so much. <laughs> hey, um, Hans-Peter, for your presentation. Very excited to be here. Thanks for having me, Tuija, Sean, everybody else. It's just an amazing event. So happy to be here. Okay, well, in, in my talk, um, I aim to contribute to the debate about David Bowie's innovative strength by discussing the way, of, um, uh, the way his work of the Berlin period reflects the dynamics of aesthetic assemblage and the transformative force it carries with it. And um, this will involve two aspects, basically. Um, the first one will be alienation, that is the artistic experience of estrangement, and the second will be appropriation, that is the artistic reworking of this experience into a creative process. So let's start with the first one, alienation. After the opulence of Los Angeles, the austerity of Cold War Berlin was a deliberate culture shock for Bowie. His stated intention was, as he told Charles Murray in an interview for New Musical Express in November 1977, to find some people you don't understand and a place you don't want to be and just put yourself into it. Nobody gives a shit about you in Berlin, Bowie said, and this definitely proves true until today. So when you ask someone the way in Berlin, you might hear something like, like this. Brandenburger Tor, Watten, Watten, gab selbst hier noch Probleme. Excuse me? Schnauze, oder willst du was auf die Fresse? Um, this is a very, very polite way to put it, Jans, you get it. So, um, Will, with your massive experience in Berlin, have fun. Um, apart from that Berliner Schnauze attitude, the political and social tensions within a city divided by the Berlin Wall had a profound influence on the edgy, alienated music Bowie produced while living there. West Berlin had largely been cleared of industry due to its physical isolation, leaving behind huge warehouse spaces that artists and musicians would transform into studios. This led to a vibrant alternative culture. Berlin was full of young people, especially artists, attracted to the city thanks to generous government grant schemes and a dispensation from the otherwise compulsory military service. It was the free and sometimes amateur spirit that made the Berlin subculture so special. The crowds of tourists had not yet arrived, but there were those from abroad, like Bowie, who were interested in witnessing life on the front line between East and West. Talking about the front line, it is interesting that Bowie's first movie role after The Man Who Fell to Earth has him arriving at the Western Front in World War I. Amidst the carnage of the war, Bowie moves slowly alongside the front, seemingly unaffected by the destruction going on around him. On an aesthetic level, um, it is interesting that he's presented in a way that constantly pushes him on the edge of disappearing. Consider how these frames either disintegrate his body by showing only parts of it, distort it through an extreme low angle perspective, or obscure it by covering it with smoke. Taken together, 
All these instances combine to an aesthetic strategy of ambivalence, a bizarre shuttering between presence and absence, embodiment and disembodiment, a kind of non-existence in a setting of anywhere and nowhere. This mechanism of displacement keeps returning in Bowie's music clips from that time, making use of diffused illumination, overexposure, dissolves, and fog-filled stages, Bowie appears only to disappear, a subjectivity refusing to settle into an identity. Seen in this light, Bowie became the perfect symbol of interbellum Germany as it is presented in Just a Gigolo. Quite self-conscious in its approach, the film highlights a feeling of alienation and disorientation that is very closely connected to Bowie's character. It captures, moreover, the spirit of the Weimar Republic, or what has come to be seen as that spirit, a dance on the edge of the volcano, in the words of Peter Gay, the pulsating, decadent nightlife and the powerful undercurrent eroticism that threatened to subvert bourgeois morality and social, uh, social hierarchy. A lot of that resonates in Just a Gigolo, especially in the scenes alluding to sexual ambivalence that clearly inspired some of Bowie's performances in his video clips of the Berlin period. And photos of the time show Bowie very much acting the part of the Weimar-era Berliner in his three-piece tweed suit and flat cap, as can you see over there with, with Iggy Pop in the club. Offering a rich creation of underlying ambiguities and instabilities, Bowie's filmic presence emphasizes transgression and transition by positing not only as an impersonator, but also as an imposter. In his critique of cynical reasons, Peter Sloterdijk brands the Weimar Republic the Republic of Imposters. In such an insecure world, he writes, the imposter grew into a character type of the times par excellence. Cases of fraud, deception, misleading and so forth, multiplied not only in the numerical sense. Um, the imposter also became an indispensable figure in the sense of collective reassurance, a model of the times and a mythical template. Indeed, the insecure world of which Sloterdijk speaks was the ideal milieu within which disguise and deception could flourish. While Bowie, as the character of Paul von Chygotsky, takes on many disguises pointing to an imaginary construction of fragmented identities, the central one, as um, indicated by the movie's title, is of course that of the gigolo. Unable to find employment elsewhere, Paul starts to work as a male escort in a brothel run by an obscure baroness. Two expatriates, two of the most famous voyages and disguises, two travelers who have continually reinvented themselves, gaze into each other's eyes. Marlene Dietrich's performance is, of course, self-elusive, given that as a cinema icon, it is her presence that best represents um, the face of Weimar Berlin. While Bowie has variously claimed that he took the role in Just a Gigolo primarily as a chance to encounter Dietrich, the film constructs a fraud in its own right, since actually the two stars have never met. Dietrich played her brief part in Paris where she lived, with the result simply being cut into Bowie's scenes that were shot along with the rest of the film in Berlin. Fraud and expectations of being defrauded became epidemic in the Republic of Imposters, writes Peter Sloterdijk. Maybe this is the most fascinating of all frauds, 
the visual construction of proximity that only exists to bridge separation and alienation. So as an artistic experience, the creative lesson of being alienated is not only about disorientation, but also, and even more so, about aesthetic transformation. And this leads to my second point, very briefly, appropriation, which will focus on the way Bowie incorporated his fascination with German expressionism. I keep it short because you, um, Hans-Peter, said uh, so many things about it already. During his years, in Berlin, David Bowie visited many art galleries throughout the city, but his favorite was the Brücke Museum in Dahlem, devoted to a group of artists um, who were working in Berlin and Dresden before um, the First World War. And uh, the Brücke movement, um, which included artists such as Ernst Ludwig Kirchner, Max Pechstein, Emil Nolde, and Erich Heckel, of course, developed um, an expressionistic style of painting that aimed not at any sort of realistic reading of a subject, uh, but rather an inner emotion. And just as the Cubists in France were inspired by the stripped down and exaggerated nature of primitive art, the Brücke artists looked for inspiration in the um, thick lines and space um, designs of medieval woodcuts to create a German version of the avant-garde scene in Paris. Um, as an overriding theme, the portraits give off a sense of brooding anxiety and nostalgic melancholy. They often have a strong distance to them, in a way like, like haunted masks. Um, the Brücke artists and expressionism in general were more than just fa uh, passing fancies for Bowie. Um, the interest had remained with him since art school. And if you look at Bowie's paintings from the Berlin period, you will find a lot of visual analogies to the drawings of the Brücke artists and especially the works of Erich Heckel. The typical traits of expressionism, that is, emotional tension, um, distorting aesthetics, mental images, are thus reiterated as cultural procedures. And I think that all of these artworks show how integral um, visual art was to Bowie's creative process and how he attempted to translate um, a specific effective force into his own artistic expressions. Um, beside these instances of artistic recreation, there's yet another example of Bowie's reworking of painterly aesthetics. And um, this is an example that can be found in um, his music videos. And I think it's especially interesting because it points to the transformative force of appropriation itself. The music video provides us with a means to make connections between abstract and concrete concepts. And what is more, to reflect upon these concepts. Its artistic approach lies in its capacity to extend the artistic role in appropriation to physical ends and thus to mediate between artist and image, model and painting. While the self-portrait that is shown in the video might resemble some of Heckel's paintings, it made me think of yet another expressionistic artwork and that is Angelus Novus by uh, Paul Klee. Um, in his thesis on the philosophy of history, Walter Benjamin, who owned this print by Paul Klee for many years, writes, a Klee painting named Angelus Novus shows an angel looking as though he is about to move away from something he is fixedly contemplating. This is how one pictures the angel of history. His face is turned toward the past, but a storm is blowing from paradise. The storm irresistibly propels him into the future 
to which his back is turned. The storm is what we call progress. I don't know if David Bowie ever came across Paul Klee's painting, and I don't know if he was familiar with Walter Benjamin's writing, although I think it's quite likely. Whatever the case, I will use this reference for a closing comment. Bowie's time in Berlin was a way of moving forward while looking back. By turning towards the past, Bowie started to experiment with futuristic recombination to develop a strategy of aesthetic recreation. As a traveler between cultures and continents, between epochs and eras, he became extremely interested in how art creates art and how that process would fuel his own artistic transformation. For Bowie, Berlin was more, uh, more than a city, more than an atmosphere. It was an artistic passage from alienation to appropriation. Thank you very much. You have been listening to an Acme podcast. For more recordings, go to soundcloud.com slash acmeonline or the Acme website.